Well, good morning. Hope you're having a great morning. I hope we had a great week, and I hope you'll have a great week coming up. Uh, this is such an exciting time for our church. If you're here for the first time, this is just such a great time. I feel like we say that every week. This is an exciting time, but it really is. Um, just, it was less than a year ago, where we're standing now was, was grass. That's crazy to think about. And just a few months ago, we were knocking walls down right over here and pulling up carpet and doing all the crazy things in there. And, and now we're almost to that point. I just want to tell you, you're not going to want to miss a Sunday, like at least until Easter, because there's going to be a Sunday you show up and we're, we're going to be ready to be moving in there. So you better just, if you don't want to miss the first Sunday when we're in there, just, just don't miss till Easter and you should be fine. We've been studying through the book of Proverbs in this wisdom series, and our, our lead minister, Brian Fakes, has been sharing some great wisdom uh, that Solomon gave. Talked about finances, we've talked about relationships, who we should surround ourselves with, uh, where wisdom comes from. Today we're going to be talking about integrity and this concept of being who you say you are. See, the term integrity, it's used to describe the whole of a ship. We have a picture of a hole up here for you. Uh, no, that's a black hole. Hole, H-U-L-L, -L is what we're like. No, that's a bread hole. Um, we have a different hole. Go, we have a ship. There we go. That's what we need. There it is. So the white part, the part that kind of goes in the, in the water, that's the hole. All right? And so from all outward appearances, it looks like the hole of the ship is sound. But what they do is they test it, and they put it on a sea trial, and they see if it is what it appears to be. And that is what it means to have integrity personally, that we are who we appear to be. When someone has integrity, you'll find that there's alignment between what they say and what they believe and what they actually do and who they claim to be and who they really are. So as we said earlier, we're in Proverbs. So we're going to jump into the book of Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have them in the back. You're welcome to take one home with you if you'd like one. Um, Bible app again on your smartphone is a great place, but we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 22. That's where we're going to start this morning. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. The scripture tells us that your name is very important. What people think of you is actually important, and there's a reason for that. But it's more than just your reputation. I love this quote. It's from Bill Hybels. He wrote a book, and here's what he says. It says, character, a wise person once said, is what we do when no one is looking. It is not the same as reputation, what other people think of us. It is not the same as success or achievement. Character is not what we have done, but who we are, who we appear to be, being who we say we are. I love that concept of you know, who you are when no one is looking. Maybe you can think about that in your life. When no one's looking, when it's just you, how do you react? What are the things you think about? What are the things that you do when no one can see you? I think of my grandpa. So my grandpa Jackson, this is my dad's dad. Uh, he was a, a great man. I, unfortunately, didn't have the luxury of knowing him too much. He passed away in 2001, so I was only 12 years old. And he, uh, he had Parkinson's disease. So for the last five or six years of his life, he was, you know, in, in a wheelchair in a bed. And so I unfortunately didn't have the pleasure of getting to know this man, but I heard so many great things about him. And there's a story that my dad tells. 
And so uh, my dad was a kid for this story. So this probably took place in like the 1800s, I can only assume. So my dad is a child and his dad, my grandpa, is out back and he's digging a trench. And so he's got a pickaxe. Uh, it's got like a blunt end on it and he's digging this for a trench, digging like a hole. And my dad walks around back in the backyard and he's, he's my, he, can, he can see my grandpa, but my grandpa can't see him because his back is to him. And so my grandpa's digging this trench, and just to give you an idea of how dated the story is, when he goes to swing, he catches the clothesline. Oh. So that just gives you an idea. There weren't dryers then. They actually hung their, their clothes out on a clothesline. All right, so my grandpa goes to swing, and he catches the clothesline, and the pickaxe then comes back, and the blunt end of it hits him smack dab in the middle of the eyes, right in his head. And so he gets busted open, and again... He's, he thinks he's by himself. He doesn't think anyone's looking. He's, he's out there working out by himself. My dad is not far behind him. I don't know what you would have said in that moment when that happened, when you hit yourself in the head with that and you're bleeding. But my grandpa said, oh, fiddle. I don't know if that's the word you would have chosen to say in that moment. But my grandpa was someone who didn't use profane, didn't use vulgar language, even when he was angry, even when he was by himself and no one was looking. That's such a great example of he didn't know I was looking, but he, he was who he appeared to be. He didn't just put on a face in front of his family or in front of his co-workers or in front of his church. He was who he appeared to be, even when no one was looking. My grandpa was a very godly Christian man, and he was genuine. It was real, and God used him in many ways. And that's something I hope you can hear this morning. God, he's not looking for an incredible person to use for his purposes. He's looking for a credible one. You might be thinking that since you aren't as good of a singer as Jeff, or you're not as good of a, a speaker or a leader as Brian, or you're not as good of a what do I dancer as me. <laughs> maybe maybe you're thinking, I can't, I'm not as good, I'm not incredible at something that God can't use me. But that's not God's not looking for someone incredible. He's looking for someone credible. Because because you might you might be out there this morning, you're hiding something. So you come here to church on Sundays, you go to your Bible studies, you go to your connect groups, you go in the homes, and you act like you have it all together. When someone says, hey, how are you doing? You say, I'm good. But there's something going on in your heart, something going on in your home that you're hiding. I'm here to tell you that this morning needs to be a day that you need to take a step to start getting that taken care of. There's a reason why it's so important to get these things. These, maybe there's something in your life that you're doing unethically or something that you're, is not very faithful and we're going to look at scripture and see a couple more Proverbs that give us a reason why it's so important to take care of that. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Turn back a chapter to chapter 10. Verse 9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. These scriptures are very clear. If there is something that you are hiding, if there's something that you're keeping hidden, if you're taking crooked paths, it's going to come back. It's going to come to light. It's not me telling you this. That's God. That's God's word. That's the scriptures telling you. I think such a great example is just look what's happened in, with celebrities and in Hollywood over these last few years. All these things that are coming out about these actors and comedians and politicians and all these celebrities that... It's coming out these unethical, horrible things that they're doing. 
it's because they lack integrity. And so they put this face up front that they have it all together, that they're really nice, they're great people, but behind the scenes, they're doing horrible things. And it's now coming to light. You might be the greatest person to the world. You might, everyone sees you like, that person, they're nice, they're great, they're always serving, they're always helping, they're a great person. You might be a great a great servant or a worker or an employee, you might be a great boss, you might be a great teacher, a student. But one little slip of one thing you do wrong can knock you down. And that's the, that's the funny thing about integrity. It really is. It's not funny laughing. It's funny ironic that we build it over months and years, but people often remember us for moments. We often are remembered for moments that happen. When I think of this concept, I think of, uh, I'm a sports fan, so I think of a certain umpire in the 1980s who umpired the Cardinals and Royals World Series. His name was Don Dinkinger. And if you're a Cardinals fan, when you hear that name, you probably are tightening your fists and you're probably getting a little heated because he made a really, really bad call that helped, it didn't cause it, but helped lead to the Cardinals blowing the World Series that year in the 80s. The thing about Don Dinkinger is he was actually a really good umpire. He... He did multiple World Series. He did all-star games. He was like the top that you can get as an umpire. And he built it up for years and years as a great umpire, reputation as a great umpire. And what's he known for now 20 years later? Calling someone safe when they were a foot out. That's what he's known for. He's known for a moment. That's kind of how our integrity is. We are known for a moment. We may say a wrong word. We may react the wrong way. And that's what people think of us. You might be thinking it's not fair. And you're right, it's not fair. That is not fair at all. But I heard Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in, in Atlanta, and he said this one time, I heard him say, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. Nothing has been fair since. That's the truth. It's not fair. You are so right. It is totally unfair and not right that it can just be a moment can ruin my integrity. But that's the truth. That's just where our world is. And we never really know when one of these defining moments are going to come up. You know, but if we live each day like what we do matters, if we live each day like it matters, it won't matter when one of those defining moments comes because we will have integrity and we will be ready. David, he was the king of Israel. He wrote some of our Psalms. It's the book, um, it's the book right, right, around the, right around Proverbs, so you can turn right to it there. It's right before Proverbs. But Psalm chapter 15 says this. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Those whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from the heart. And the end of it here says, one who keeps an oath even when it hurts. David knew what it was like to break an oath. This was a guy who was a king, took an oath to protect, and there was times when he was lazy and did not go and lead his army. Uh, there was a guy who was married, and he, if you read in the, in, earlier in the Bible, you'll see that he was very unethical, and he committed adultery, and not only broke his vow to his wife, but made and participated in the breaking of vow of Bathsheba's spouse. And then to try and cover all of that up, instead of taking the hard, the hard truth of trying to not succumb to the temptation that he wanted to do with Bathsheba, instead of doing that, instead of coming forward and, and apologizing and going to the husband, he then had the husband killed to try and cover up the sin that he did. He knew what it was like to break an oath. 
And he took the easy way out, and it became so much harder for him, actually. You want to know who else knows what it's like to do to keep an oath even when it hurts? I think of Jesus. He made an oath to restore our relationship with the Father. When sin entered the world, whenever we sin, we get separated from God. And Jesus made a promise to restore our relationship with the Father again through him. And so when he went to the cross and went through that agonizing pain, it would have been a lot easier for him to just say, you know what, I, I give, I, I, you know what, this is too much. But even when it hurt him physically, emotionally, spiritually, he knew it was more important to keep his word. So Jesus is a great example for us as well. We got three indicators, three simple indicators to help you just give you a check of where your integrity is. Give you just an idea of where do I fall? Where is my integrity? The first thing is pay attention to your internal response to authority. How do you respond to your boss when your boss tells you to do something? Do you just kind of, do you roll your eyes? Or you're like, oh, not again. Why don't you do it? You're the boss, right? How do you respond to your boss? How do you respond to a teacher? When a teacher gives you an assignment of some kind, are you like, do I really need to do that? No, what's your response to that? Because here's the deal. You might be, you might struggle with authority. You might struggle with someone telling you what to, someone who's in charge telling you what to do. Maybe God isn't using you because you're not even respecting your earthly authority. So why would you expect your heavenly authority? So maybe you need to check and see how you respond to authority. What's your internal response? A second thing to really to check your integrity is to watch how you handle money. Watch how you handle your money. There was a company uh, in the 90s that was super popular, was one of the top companies to work for. It was Enron. A lot of you may be familiar with Enron. In 2000, early 2000s, they had to end up filing bankruptcy and folding because it turns out that they were doing so many unethical things with their money and they were, they were hiding things, they had separate accounts, they were doing so many evil things and horrible things with their money and it came, all came to light. And they had to end up, this great company had to file for bankruptcy and is no more now. And I heard the story of these two guys, these two veterans that were talking their war stories and, and they were talking about this and then uh, eventually during their conversation they found out that they both worked for Enron at the same time. And so they're talking about this and, and one of the guys who was telling this story said that he interrupted their conversation and said, hey, I just got a question for you. Like how on earth did that happen at Enron? How on earth were there so many people doing so many wrong things and, and people were okay with it. Like, how did that happen? And both the guys, like, kind of stopped and laughed, and they looked at each other and said, well, it was the culture. The culture was there of being unethical with the money. The culture was there, and it was, and it was not well. And that's why there were so many people that took a fall, and there were so many people that caused that company to fail. I personally had a job once where I got to handle a lot of money. It was uh, the trampolines at the yeah. mall. I don't know if any of you have ever been to those. I used to work those, you know, putting the harness on the kids and then pressing buttons and letting them jump up and down. I worked at Union Station Hall where there were four trampolines. So I'm like running four at once. I'm like trying not to kill kids. And, you know, parents have entrusted me with this. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is fine. I'm like a 17-year-old kid trying to do this. But I, was getting, I would get paid $7 an hour. So not a whole lot. 
but you got paid at the end of the day with what you made for that day. So I would work maybe one day a week, wouldn't work very often, so I didn't make a ton of money doing this job. But I was handling a lot of cash. And the, the owners didn't keep track of how many jumpers we had. They weren't there all the time. They just trusted me at the end of the day to say, oh, I had this many jumpers, here's how much money. It could have been so easy for me to, to, to say, oh, we only had five jumpers today. And then I could just put some money in my pocket. But what I knew was I, this concept of integrity. I knew that I needed to handle the money that, that, you know, first off, I didn't want to get caught doing something. The time I went to do that would be the time the bosses were, you know, watching or had a camera or something. I don't know. But I knew that that was not right to do. I knew it would have been wrong, even though no one would have known probably. I made sure that it was that I was being ethical with that and handling that properly. So you need to make sure you handle money. Watch how you handle money. The third thing is notice how you deal with your frustration. How do you deal with your frustration? What do you what do you say when you get cut off in traffic when you're in your car by yourself? How do you respond to that? Do you respond with uh, just a simple like, you know, a little honk or like, oh, it's okay, wave or like a thumbs up, or do you respond with a different hand gesture? Or do you respond with now getting up on their tail and flashing your lights and just laying on the horn? How do you respond to something like that? What's your, how do you deal with your frustration? See, whenever I was, uh, another story I had, I played hockey growing up. I was a goalie. And um, the culture in the locker room, in my high school hockey locker room, was not very Christian. was not very healthy. Um... Just lots of mostly, pretty much every sentence everyone said contains some sort of profanity. Well, I like my, like my grandpa. That's something that I don't do. I don't use that, those words. And, and I know that the, kids on, the other kids on my team knew I didn't. They knew that I was a Christian and I didn't just say that. I, I lived it that way. And so they, it was always so funny. Anytime I would get on a new team and they would find out that I, was, I didn't cuss. They would be like, oh, I'm going to get you to cuss. Like they, it was like their goal in life. I have no idea why that would be your goal. But that was like their goal. And I told them, I said, I said guys, like, like when a goal scores on me, like, yeah, like it stinks, whatever. But it's, like, it's not a big deal. It's just a game. And they're like, well, well we're going to get you to cuss. I'm like, I'm not going to accidentally cuss. That's not the words I use. So it's not like I'm going to automate. I don't, I, I'm not going to just say a word I never use. I'm not going to do that. And that's because... When I handled my frustration, it was just a way of going, you know what, it's not, this is not a big deal. This is just a game. So notice how you handle your frustration. It's an important sign for your uh, integrity. So when I, how I want to close this morning is I just want to talk to the people here that, have, that call themselves Christian. To call themselves a Christ follower, that they, they represent Christ and they, they follow through as a Christian and they have gone all in with Christ. Why integrity is so important. And it's really simple. As a Christian, you represent Christ. Some of you might have life verses, Bible verses that you like, that speak to you, that are always that you like, maybe have somewhere in your house, or you have on your shirt, or on a bracelet, or maybe even a tattoo of a verse. This is one of my life verses, 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. The reason integrity is so important for a Christian is because you represent Christ. That when people see you, if you call yourself a Christian and you are unethical, if you use 
inappropriate language, if you tell inappropriate jokes, if you talk a certain way, if you do certain things that are wrong, and you call yourself a Christian, the people that don't know Christ are going to attribute those things to Christ. So if you are a Christian, we need to take it seriously that we represent and are an ambassador for Christ. We represent him here on earth. That is how I live my life. And I pray that is how you can live your life, that when people see you, they do see Christ, and that you aren't giving Christ a bad name.